Hello and welcome to Off the Cast, your regular dose of ophthalmology. Till date, we have published 5 episodes with good response from our listeners. Thank you one and all from us, a team at Off the Cast, who strive to provide you audio talks on ophthalmology which are more practical and easily understandable, targeted at students and residents alike. These audios are in no way a replacement to your standard textbook. We strive to be factually correct, but err is human. Keep us posted if you disagree with anything that has been said in these recordings. We would be happy to make amendments with due credits. Quite similar to our previous episode, we will be conducting this episode in a similar format, starting with some history. Today we explore the works of Dr. Hans Goldman and one of his main contributions. Dr. Hans Goldman has changed the way we run our clinics with his contributions to the measurement and visualization techniques of the eye. He was born in the earlier Czechoslovakia and of Swiss origin. His avid interest in mathematics and optics led to many achievements in the field of ophthalmology. Many of the tasks he undertook stimulated a lifelong interest in optics, physics and instruments. Dr. Goldman's study also included a self-diagnostics of himself confirming his suspicion that he was an anomalous trichromat. Goldman became professor of ophthalmology in 1935 and director of the University Eye Clinic. Many years later Goldman was appointed chancellor of Bern University. His publications include papers on cataract, retrobulbar neuritis, uveitis, retinopathy of prematurity, aqueous humor dynamics, nyctalopia, dark adaptation, glaucoma, accommodation, perimetry and diabetic retinopathy. Goldman's major contribution to ophthalmology was in the development and refinement of instruments including the slit lamp, colorimeter, bowl perimeter, aplanation tonometer, gonioprisms, dark adaptometer and fluorophotometer. Because of these contributions Goldman was one of the foremost ophthalmologists of the 20th century. Among all the contributions of Dr. Goldman, his design of tonometer would be one that majority of ophthalmologists had had their hands on. Today, we look deeper into the working and usage of Goldman aplanation tonometer. First, let's have a look at the equipment. Goldman aplanation tonometer is a slit lamp mounted device which is used to measure intraocular tension. Let us place a small line of clarification here. What we actually measure is the tension of the cords of the eye and not the pressure of the globe. Technically speaking, pressure is the inherent property and tension is the force on the cords of the eye due to this pressure. The pressure is accurately measurable by manometry only. Goldman aplanation tonometer which is mounted on the slit lamp consists of a box casing and a plunger arising from it. The casing has two rotating knobs placed lower on the sides and one calibrating socket in the upper part. The two rotating knobs are connected and are the same. There are two so that the left-handers don't feel left out. 
The knob has markings from 0 to 7 and each unit is further subdivided into 10 smaller marks. This gives a reading variance of 0.1. The casing houses a spring system which is designed to deliver weights onto the plunger. The counterweight equivalent is set using the knob. When you rotate the knob to the reading mark 01, it means that the spring has been held tight equivalent to a weight of 01 gram. 2 means 2 grams and so on. This weight is delivered on the top of the plunger which houses the prism. I'll get to the prism in some time. The counterweight mechanism pushes the plunger ahead with a weight equivalent in grams as per the knob setting. Now, go to your Goldman Applination Tonometer and without any patient, turn the knob to mark 01. Gently push the plunger back and leave it. Turn the knob to 7 and repeat. You will feel that the plunger now feels forceful. This is because the weight equivalent now is 7 grams. So the task of the casing and plunger assembly is to deliver a controlled force on the prism. Now we come to the prism. It's a conical frustum, that is, a cone with its top removed or flat. The base is encased in a rim at the top of the plunger. The prism has markings from 0 to 180 on its sides indicating the axis. And the base holder has two lines, one red and one white. The prism can be rotated within the holder. The prism is constructed in such a way that the light entering into its apex is divided into upper and lower halves. The light from the upper half is bent to the left and the lower to the right when seen from the base. The purpose of such a construction will be better understood when we describe the technique. Additionally, this prism is viewed through a single eyepiece. It does not support binocular vision. Routinely, it is calibrated for the left eyepiece of the slit lamp. However, this can be changed. Now, since we have touched upon the device, let's come to the concept. I believe you all would have handled a football. If the football is filled with air but not with good enough pressure, we can press on the surface and produce an area of depression with our palm. If the football is tightly filled, with air, then it will require more force to depress your palm into it. Here the area that we flatten or depress or applinate is the same but in both instances the force required is different. Higher the pressure inside, more force required to applinate. This is what Imbert and Fick's law states. The law states that the pressure in the sphere filled with liquid and surrounded by an infinitely thin membrane is measured by the counter pressure which just flattens the membrane. We were nearly there with the football. There is a controversy with this law. We will keep it for the end of this tape. So the force required to applinate depends on the area applinated and the pressure inside in the ideal situation. Hence, if the applinated area is constant, then the force is in direct proportion to the pressure inside. We have the globe which is going to serve as a football. Now we need an arrangement which will give a surface which will press on the eyeball with a constant area.
this is where the prism apex comes into play. The prism apex has a constant surface area of 3.07 mm diameter circles. So here the aim is to applinate the cornea of the measured eye and see with what counterweight on the plunger we are able to applinate 3.07 mm diameter circle. Why the magic number 3.07? This number is arrived due to two additional factors. Firstly, the corneal thickness. Normal cornea has a thickness of its own and has an inherent elasticity which pushes the prism away. Secondly, the tear fill has its own stickiness which attracts the prism to the cornea. Both change in opposite directions with the applinated area. 3.07mm diameter is that typical dimension when these two factors cancel out each other and the only thing that remains is the weight on the plunger and the intraocular tension. Now we can balance them and take the measurements. Here one important point is that the area applinated is the posterior surface of the cornea rather than the anterior to account for recoil of the cornea. Let us now look into steps in doing the measurement. First, you must clean the device, especially the prism. It is going to touch the patient's corneal surface. According to the first manufacturer of this equipment, Hague Strait, the disinfecting has to be performed between each patient and they have a proprietary solution for this. Routine practice involves using spirit and letting the spirit dry completely. Even a small part of the spirit can denude the corneal epithelium. Now that the prism is cleaned and disinfected, we are ready for the patient. The cornea is anesthetized with topical anesthetic drops and the fluorescent dye instilled. The dye should be just enough to cover the cornea. Then position the patient just like for a slit lamp examination. Swing the tonometer into the view of the left eyepiece. Place the light source at 45 degree angle and turn on the blue filter. The tip of the prism will be illuminated in blue light. Turn the knob of the casing unit to read 1. Now move the slit lamp slowly towards the patient's eye which is to be measured. Attain the contact with cornea and do not advance further. You will know that the contact has been made when the limbus glows in the blue light all of a sudden. Now look into the left eyepiece. You will be able to see two semicircles as if horizontally cut and shifted. They will be green colored. The green color that you are seeing is the pooled dye in the margin. The central clear area is the area which has been applinated. Now slowly turn the knob and make the inner edges of the semicircles meet. When you make the inner edges meet, you attain an applination area of 3.07 mm diameter. Note the reading on the knob when you attain the applination. Multiply the knob reading by 10 to get the intraocular tension. If the knob says 1.6, then the intraocular tension is 16 mm of mercury. Repeat the same steps for the other eye. After the measurement, clean the prism and instill antibiotic drops in the patient's eyes. Now, let's evaluate some situations. How does the thickness of the semicircles, that is, the Myers, 
affect the measurement? In case of excess stain or in cases of steep cornea, there forms a gap between the prism head and the cornea. There is more dye in this gap and the semicircles seem thicker. In these cases, even a small force can give you the kissing semicircles. So you end up underestimating the intraocular tension. What if the patient is astigmatic? If a patient is astigmatic, then the semicircles will become semi-ovals. To get a reasonably accurate intraocular tension, there are some adjustments to be done. Firstly, for patients with 3-diopter or less astigmatism in the minus axis. In such cases, few books suggest no changes in the measurement technique, while some suggest to rotate the prism to the axis of minus astigmatism. This is done by aligning white line in the prism holder to the axis markings on the prism. Here the Myers will look slanted when viewed through the slit lamp. Secondly, for patients with astigmatism more than three diopters in the minus axis. There are two schools of thought. The first one says to take two readings in both axes of astigmatism and take an arithmetic mean of the two. Some people are of a different opinion. The second method directs you to rotate the prism alignment in the red line on the holder to the minus axis of the astigmatism, followed by a single measurement. Here we leave it to your judgment on which one to follow. Next, does the corneal thickness affect Goldman Applination Tonometry reading? Yes, definitely. A thicker cornea will applinate less with the same force, so we end up overestimating the intraocular pressure. The manufacturers give a correction table for the same. The equipment is calibrated for a corneal thickness of 545 nanometers. For the first 20 nanometers increase in thickness of cornea, we are supposed to subtract 1 millimeters of mercury from the measured intraocular tension and thereafter 1 millimeters for every 10 nanometer. In case of decrease in corneal thickness, we add the pressure in a similar way. How do we calibrate this tonometer and how often? Goldman Applination Tonometer is supposed to be calibrated every day. For calibration, we use the calibration rod supplied along with the equipment. The calibration rod fits into the side of the metal casing, side to side. The rod has markings of 0, 20 and 60. Placing the rod clamp at 0, place the rod in the calibration slot. Turn the knob to 0. When you move the knob from 0 to 0 0.1, the plunger is supposed to fall ahead and come back when you turn the knob less than 0. Same is repeated with the rod at 20 and knob at 2. The plunger movement is supposed to happen at 2.1 and 1.9. Similarly at 60 and 6. If all these movements occur at the correct reading, then your tonometer is calibrated and you can do the zero calibration even without the rod. Everything in life comes with an expiry date. So does the prism in this tonometer. As per the manufacturers, these prisms are to be used for a maximum of two years from opening and within five years of manufacture.
otherwise they would have accumulated so many scratches that you might actually end up abrading the cornea. Corneal abrasions might happen in the hands of an operator even with a new prism. Just for this reason, there are disposable prisms introduced today. Till now, we have briefly touched upon the Goldman Applination Tonometer. There is another aspect of this technique that we wanted you to know. As we said, this technique is based on Imbert and Flick law. However, allegations from various quarters is that no such law exists and it was formulated by Dr. Goldman himself to give a mathematical basis to this theory. Notwithstanding, the team of the cast tried to find out about the origin of this law ourselves but was unable to find the mention of such a law in any of the physics papers or textbooks. A school of thought says that the Goldman Applination Tonometer works on the Newton's Third Law, the famous action and reaction law. Whatever law it is based on, what ophthalmologists know is that this beautiful piece of equipment has stood the test of time and is currently gold standard for measurement of intraocular tension. That's all for now, ladies and gentlemen. It's Team of the Cast signing off. Do keep us updated on our email offthecast at the rate gmail.com or on our website www.offthecast.com with your comments, feedbacks and demands. Subscribe to us on all leading podcast players by searching for Off The Cast. Thank you for being with us and giving us your valuable time. Goodbye and Godspeed.